Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Well, we're uh, continuing our rambling through the book of James. And uh, one of the things we said from the very beginning is that James is concerned uh, primarily with helping his friends, the people who he's writing to, to live in an authentic uh, and faithful Christian community. Uh, that they might practice their, their faith by doing things for other folks. Uh, and, and we learn how to do that in the midst of our local, our local gra- gathering. Uh, we've said, though, that like... Um, yeah, so he's concerned about uh, our local community, his local community, um, how they might be a faithful community that then goes out into the world and that loves people in the same way as Christ has loved us. Uh, everything that he'll say about wisdom or about the tongue or whatever, um, it, it's also that, that we might be encouraged to live in this faithful and authentic community. And today is uh, no different as far as that is concerned. Um, Last week, though, we we were challenged to put our faith into practice, that our faith without uh, some kind of outside expression of caring for others, of meeting other people's needs, uh, well, that it's worthless. Uh, That you can say you believe, but if it's not borne out in your actions, uh, then you may may not actually believe, according to, to James, anyway. He encouraged us to work out our faith by our actions. And we said that wasn't a contradiction with what Paul was saying because Paul's talking about works of the law and James was talking about acts of compassion and charity and things like that. Well, this week, uh, James begins to advise his readers uh, not, to become, uh, not to become teachers or, or want to become teachers. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, you might be saying at this point, I am not a teacher at a school or at a church or anything, so I'm off the hook today. Uh, and and you're shaking your head no, which is good. That's right. Um, the, the, the jury's still out in scholarly circles as to whether James is writing specifically to teachers of, uh, in the church now or if he has the whole community in mind, uh, some people who are wanting to be teachers. M- my, my point of view is that what James is saying here today is extremely applicable to all of us. Uh, Whether we have taught Sunday school or whether we have preached sermons or anything like that, it's uh, it's for all of us. Now, there's a couple reasons why he might uh, say something like, not many of you should become teachers. He may have heard that there were people among the congregation he was writing to that that they were really wanting to become these, these teachers in the church. And there, there's a couple of reasons that could happen. One, in, in a somewhat illiterate society, those people who had become teachers, well, they were really, really respected within the community. And so these people, maybe they're wanting to become teachers so that they can have power and prestige and authority within the community. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't want them to do that. He's like, that's the wrong reason to become a teacher. Like, if, if you want to be famous... Being a preacher is not the way to go. Uh, well, some, peop- some preachers have become famous, but that's, that's beside the point. We don't do it for the, uh, the fat paycheck, that's for sure. Uh, you guys take care of us well. Don't, don't, don't read into that one. Um, 
But uh, he says we'll be judged with greater strictness. Uh, and then he goes on, he says, For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes is speaking the perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. Bridle. Is it bridle? Bridle? Yeah. I, I was going back and forth in my head all week, and I knew you would know, but I forgot to ask you beforehand. Um, so we'll back up for a second. One of the things I wanted to say here was what I think that James is referring to in this first little bit is that what you say about who God is and what God is doing in the world and how we fit into that, fit into what God is doing when, functions either as a faithful witness pointing people towards Jesus or as a stumbling block which causes people to trip. Being a teacher has ramifications in the community. It's not just maybe um, bad Bible memorization or it is a, you know, not getting something completely right, but as we teach in the church, like the consequences can be eternal, right? Uh, because if we teach well and we're, we're teaching what Christ wants us to teach, uh, we trust and hope that that will be effective and that people will be drawn to Christ and live in, in faithful life and obedience. But if we speak poorly, if we teach poorly, if, if we've got some crazy ideas that haven't been communally discerned, if they don't fit in with the tradition of the church uh, and what, what Christians have confessed for 2,000 years, or, or maybe they're just running their mouth off. It doesn't have to be teachers, right? What we say, what we teach, the things that we say need to be controlled and run through the Holy Spirit. We said that um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and if we don't do that, well, then our ability to live in a faithful and authentic Christian community kind of disintegrates. And we become not a, a, a witness to the goodness and salvation of Jesus Christ, but we become a stumbling block over which people will fall. If we are truly concerned about loving our neighbor as ourselves, if we are truly concerned with doing what Christ wants us to do in the world, uh, then we'll be careful the things that we say, especially the things that we teach. And uh, you know me, though, because, I mean, like, we're bound to make mistakes. Excuse me. So verse 2 there, for all of us make many mistakes. Well, those got out of order. That's, that's nice. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, for us make many mistakes. And I think you, you know me well enough that, like, I make lots and lots of mistakes. And uh, I thank you for your grace uh, in those regards. Uh, okay, so he's, James is going to move on, and he's going to use three metaphors to help us understand what uh, talking poorly or teaching poorly, what these things can, can happen. Now he's, he's, right, he's focused on teachers a little bit, but I think he's talking to just anybody who might talk within the midst of our Christian community. Uh, so it's not just for teachers, uh, it's for all of us. He uses this uh, kind of a... Sh- um, yeah, okay, so the horse, the horse metaphor, right there in verse 3. So if, if we who puts, okay, let me stop for a second. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle, bridle. I'm not going to get it. It's, uh, if we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. So uh, it's a little metal thing, right, the bit, and it goes in the horse's it goes in the horse's mouth, right? And you pull on one side, and it, like, pulls their head that way, and it goes. You pull on this side. Rachel has horses. That's, like, her life. And so does Tara back there. Uh, 
So like, you can guide this large animal most of the time, right? right. Uh, you can guide this large animal in the direction that you want it to go. And if there is like danger over here, that you can pull on those reins and make the horse go over here and you can avoid danger. Uh, he says our tongue, what we teach, what we say, what we confess, uh, all of those things are like a, a tiny bit that can move the, your entire body in a different direction. Uh, he goes on and he says, Or look at the ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So same kind of, uh, same kind of thing. The, the bit and the, the rudder kind of go together. A large ship carrying lots of goods and people, and it's got a relatively small little thing at the back, uh, a rudder that, that guides it in the way that it goes. The guy who's steering the boat, if he turns the wheel one way, you go that way, and if you do it the other way, it goes that way. I, I don't, I've not been on boats much, but I think that's how that goes. Uh, the same, same principle applies, though. This little tiny thing is able to take a giant ship and turn it either away from danger to where they're supposed to go or into danger, uh, not where they're supposed to go. So that's our, our first meter. I, I think, though, that we can, we can look at these metaphors in two ways. We can look at them individually, Right? Uh, that James is saying your tongue in your mouth is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It is like a rudder on a ship. And if sometimes the things that you say can set a course for your life uh, that is not good and healthy, uh, that it, it takes a, a left turn when it should take on a right, and you end up having all kinds of different consequences uh, that you didn't anticipate. Uh, so that's the, that's the first metaphor. The second metaphor uh, is about a fire. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set on fire, uh, set ablaze by a small fire. Uh, so uh, another thing, fire. We all, we all know this. Right? I want you to imagine this, though. Okay? Imagine you are in a peaceful mountain setting. There's a nice forest Bambi runs by, there's birds twerping, there's a lake, and maybe even a, a happy little house. It's a Bob Ross painting, okay? It's a Bob Ross painting. It is idyllic, and uh, it just makes you want to lay down on the grass and take a nap, right? So you see that. But then along comes, along comes somebody who can't control their tongue. James says it's like a fire. So the tongue hits, you know, little bits of fire, and all of a sudden the entire forest is ablaze and everything is ruined. What was right and what was good and what was helpful and beautiful just gets burnt to the ground. Uh, again, individually, we can do that for our own lives. The, the news is filled with people who have said things. Sometimes those things have been on social media uh, and they've said things and they haven't been good things because they didn't control their, their, their words, the mouth they're saying, and their careers got burnt to the ground. People have lost jobs or not been hired because of those, those kinds of things. So, second metaphor is a fire. Sets it ablaze. Uh, I think communally, I should have said this last one, communally in the church, uh, if as individuals we don't control what we say, 
Uh, we can steer the ship towards trouble, or we may even just burn the whole thing down. Again, James is, is concerned that how we live in this world, how we live in the community that is gathered together to worship Christ, that how we speak in that world is good. And it seems like we can either burn the thing down, or we can go and participate with what God is doing in the world by speaking well. Going on, and the tongue is the fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature and itself, set on fire by hell. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. This is the third little metaphor he uses. Have you ever had food poisoning? Yes? When I was in seminary, I ate something that either had in it or on it enough E. coli bacteria to make me really, really, really sick. Like, wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Sick. Uh, I went to the, to the doctor, and he's like, you got E. coli? He's like, we're going to give you some antibiotics. These are really, really good antibiotics. In fact, they're so good that they're not just going to kill the E. coli, which is always in your stomach anyway. It's going to kill everything. Like it's, it's so good that you're, you're going to have no bacteria in your stomach at all. And so they restricted my, my diet. I could only eat bananas, rice, and toast, and apples, and things like that. And I couldn't eat apples because sometimes they don't agree with me. But for like six weeks, all I could eat was rice and toast and bananas. And I was so happy when they said, you can begin to add some chicken stock to your rice. And I had flavor once more. Chicken stock never tasted so good. I mean, it wasn't real chicken stock. It was like the cubes, you know. That, you'd never have that in your house. No, no. Uh, the point is, like something so very small, a little microscopic bacteria, like it took me down for weeks. I lost like 30 pounds because I was only eating bananas, rice, and toast. And that doesn't have very much nutrition, right? Uh, it, was, it was a great weight loss thing, I guess. But Paul, or James is saying how we speak how we speak in community, as people, just in our individual lives, well, it can poison our entire body. Uh, how we speak in our lives together as a community of faith can poison perfectly good community of faith. Can head it towards danger, burn it down, drop it to its knees in gastrointestinal distress. I think, we don't, I think we don't understand, too, how, how sometimes, not just the words that we say to other people, but, like, our, well, if we're always negative, if we're always negative, I, I don't think we understand how much that can shape our thoughts and our behavior. Like, if we're always, like, afraid, and we speak afraid kinds of things and negative kinds of things, like, pretty soon we're going to be a completely negative and afraid kind of person. And if we we continue with that, like all it does is make all the other people around us miserable because they speak, oh, they're just so negative about everything. The way we speak, the words in our mouth, both in, in our regular lives, in our family, and here at church, uh, it's a poison. It can bring us all down. Now, I want you to realize after this, 
uh, th- this is not directed at anybody, right? Like, this is what James is saying to us. And I think we're pretty good, I think. I, I've been here almost four years, and I don't, I don't know that we have the kind of negativity and poisonous talk that I have experienced at other places. But it is a good reminder, nonetheless, that if, that if we want to continue to be a healthy body, like what we say and how we say it will determine whether we continue to grow and be healthy or if it gets burnt down and brought to its knees in sickness. Okay. We're done with the three metaphors. So the bit, control where we go. Fire sets a a forest ablaze. Um, Poison, bring us to our knees. Uh, He's not done that, though, and uh, he points out one more thing. He says, with it, our tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouths come blessings and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Now, you've never known anybody who's like been one way at church and then another way somewhere else? You ever known anybody like that? I think, I think this, is what, this is what James is getting to. Like you, as a follower of Christ, like what you, you got to let yourself be shaped and transformed by the Spirit so that what you say and how you say it uh, does not detract from God, but brings honor and glory uh, and praise to God. Uh, this, is, this, is what, this is what I you know, strive to do, hopefully, And I hope this is what what you do as well, that we are not in one moment singing praise to God and in the next moment uh, cursing God. Now, this isn't like the words you're not allowed to say on TV. This is like, well, it it could be a whole lot of things. I I personally, I think that uh, what you say uh, is how how you say what you say is just as important as what you say. Um, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes we can say things that seem right, but the way in which we are saying them isn't, isn't right at all. Well, James is, uh, he's concerned, like we said, concerned about us living in a faithful and authentic Christian community. And, and everything he said in this chapter so far has been oriented towards that end. Like he's, he's cueing us into the dangers that happen uh, when, we don't, when we don't put our thoughts and our, our, our words through Holy Spirit filter. That the damage that that can do, not just to our own lives and the direction, the places that God wants it to go, and, and the damage that it can do uh, to us as a community of faith. Uh, so he's doing all of that. And he's, he's doing that hopefully, like we said, so that we might be a witness to the kingdom of God. That you and I, not, not just to have a good community here where we, we like each other and we eat and we hang out and stuff like that, but that we might, as a people, love our neighbors as ourselves, as an expression of our love for God. Uh, we, we didn't, we read it earlier, but James in the next little section, we're not going to go through all of it, 
He says basically there's two kinds of wisdom. Uh, and, and this is related to the, the tongue thing. Uh, there is there's wisdom that has to do with the world, and it's, uh, it's fueled by... Let me see if I can find it here. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, and do not be boastful uh, and false to the truth. So, like, the wisdom of the world is bitter, and it is envy. It's revengeful. And you cannot... If that's, if that's the wisdom that you are living by, you cannot, with your mouth, praise God fully or completely. Like it is, it is opposite of what the wisdom of God is, which he goes on to say. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, fruits without a trace of partiality. Or hypocrisy. If we are bitter and envious, that's going to come out in our speech. It hurt people, hurt people. Have you heard that one before? It's it's going to come out and it's going to spread like the poison or like a forest fire. And it's going to do damage not just to you, but to the people around you. But if we live, and what Paul will say is the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Did I get them? This is the first for everything. I always leave one out. I hesitate to even do that sometimes. If we want our words, if we want to lie our lives and the lives of the people around us the lives of our community of faith, then we must strive to be first peaceable and gentle, willing to lead, yield, full of mercy and good fruit, with love and joy and peace, and gentleness. James is saying to us, this is what you need. This is, this is what Christ offers to you. This is what, indeed, what Christ has already given to you, these things. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to continue to bestow upon you if you get out of the way long enough for the Spirit to do something in your life. You sit and listen. That might convict you of the ways that you might be bitter and, and envious. Your life and our life will only be as good as the speech that we're able to have with each other. It either becomes, we either become as a person, a poison or a forest fire. And we'll watch it all burn. And we don't end up pointing to God. We don't end up living as a faithful community to Christ. Or we can allow the Spirit to cultivate in us peaceableness, gentleness, love, and joy, kindness, self-control. And as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives that way, 
what begins to come out of our mouth will be good things, will be encouragement, cooperation. It will be works, well, works of service don't come out of your mouth, but you get the point. Like, what is good will begin to emanate from us just in the same way that bad will emanate from us. We're going we're gonna to pray and then we'll sing. Um, here's what I want you to do while we're singing and, and while we're praying. I want you to, to do a little self-inventory. Ask yourself, is the way that I use my words in my family, with my friends, in the church. Is the way that I use my words, is it poisonous? Is it destructive? Am I full of bitter envy? And and if you find that maybe that is the truth, then I invite you to offer that to God, to repent of it and ask for the Spirit's filling, the Holy Spirit to fill you and to root out all of those things. Uh, I want you to pray and ask God to reveal, if you don't know, to reveal the way throughout the, the whole next week, the whole year, whether you are speaking well or if you're speaking poorly. I, I want you to pray and to, to ask that God would help us as a people, as a community of faith that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that we might be a place filled with peace and gentleness, purity, mercy, and love, and joy, and kindness. Because then, then we will be a people who don't make others stumble and fall, but who faithfully point to Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word and for its challenges. We thank you that even though we speak poorly sometimes, that you have given us grace and mercy, that even if we find that we are habitually uh, cranky, and envious and bitter that your grace is enough and that your spirit is strong enough to work through us and in us to root out all of those things. Lord, we we ask that you would indeed work in us that way. That we might be a community that is known by the way we speak well to and about each other. That we might be a community that points others to you in the best kind of way. Lord, help us us to learn how to be a faithful and authentic community so we can proclaim your good news to all the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.